In this episode, I chat with the hilarious Courtney McLean about following your dreams and pursuing your passion, no matter the cost. Let's get started. You're listening to the Think Outside the Lines podcast. Practical solutions and ideas for designing the life you want with an added dose of inspiration. And now, here's your host, Sean Feeney. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Think Outside the Lines podcast, where every week I talk to people who are out there designing the lives of their dreams. It's my belief that if they can do it, so can you. And these conversations are meant to inspire you to take action and to pursue the life you've always wanted to live. I'm Sean, and you can find me over at thinkoutsidethelines.com, where we explore these ideas further. Now, my guest today is a comedic performer, writer, musician, storyteller, actress, and co-host of the upcoming podcast, Bits and Ask. She has quite the extensive resume and the talent to back it up. Get ready to laugh a lot in this episode. It's time to think outside the lines with the hilarious Courtney McLean. Cool. Courtney McLean, are you ready? Yeah. Let's do this. Welcome to the show. Hello. Are you excited? I'm super excited. I need to hear some enthusiasm. Thank you. Oh my God, I'm so excited. I'm covered in a blanket. So I have to tell you a funny story really quick. My mom... Was uh-huh. um, she listens to my show and she's like, Sean, she's like, I just, I love your show and I love your guests, but like, I need you to do something not so serious. Like, everything is so serious. And so I was like, Don't you worry, mom. I've got the perfect <laughs> guest for you. I was, I was listening to a couple of your past guests and I was like, Oh my God, I'm going to shake this shit up so bad. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. All yeah. Right. So, if no, you I'm listen- totally excited. I'm very honored that you asked me to do this. Thank you. Of course. We're going to talk about our connection to each other a little bit later on. But, oh, all right. Fabulous. I always start out with some, like icebreaker questions that kind of helps people get to know you a bit. Yeah. You ready for this? Heck yes. Okay. Let's do it. So I want the three words that best describe you. <laughs> Effervescent. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, loud. Um, but loyal. I don't know if they best describe me, but those are three descriptions. Those are good. Those are pretty like contrasting qualities. I like that. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, tell me about your greatest desire in life at the moment. My greatest desire in the moment, uh, in life at the moment, is to uh, stop this silly like acid reflux problem I've been having lately. But if we're talking like grand scope of things, <laughs> it's like uh, is is to make people laugh and to make people have fun and make people realize like that we it's our lives and we're writing the script. This sounds so cheesy and cliche, but it's like you are making choices every light every day. Right. So, yeah. you know, but have fun. That's my biggest thing. Totally. It's not cheesy I don't... and cliche. My goal is to get people to like be cheesy and cliche yeah, and like be a little serious <laughs> about it because uh, whatever, like, I don't know. That's kind of my intention. So good job. Mm-hmm. Hey, excellent. Well, that's sort of like, sometimes I feel like I am a walking cliche, but, <laughs> but, but then totally not. So I don't know. You know what? We're all contradictory. <laughs> right? So totally fine. Oh, my God. What is currently your favorite song? Oh, man. My favorite song right now is this song called Magic Spell by This Is The Kit. It's just a beautiful song. The sentiment is beautiful. Like, cast your magic spell. It's totally up your alley, Sean. It's like, should be the podcast theme, actually. Oh, my God. Maybe we can have you re-record <laughs> it as the podcast theme. How oh, my God. Maybe I would totally do that. <laughs> What is your favorite place you've ever traveled to? Um, 
My favorite place I've ever traveled to, uh, I only hesitate because I don't want to jump right to this thing. I have to think about all the things, places I've traveled. But no, it still lands on Magnetic Island off the northeast coast of Australia. It was like, I mean, there's so many circumstances that made it awesome. Aside from being Australia, aside from being like the koala capital of the world and a tiny little island that I got to spend two weeks on, it was spent with um, my family and my mother's side of the family and my uncle, my mother's brother, who I hadn't seen in like 24 years. Wow. Yeah, it was incredible. It was in 2002 and it was just like, it was so much fun. And, uh, I had a great time getting to know my cousins better and yeah, it was, it was like, and, and obviously beautiful. Yeah. Wow. That's cool. I've never been to Australia. I hate to fly and that plane yeah. ride is like so long and it's like, but I want to see it at some point in my life. So definitely. Uh, I mean, obviously like it's one of those, it's one of those bucket list countries. I totally. think that a lot of Americans want to see and totally. I highly recommend. All right. Done. Um, what would be the title of your autobiography? Oh shit. Um, there you go. Probably done that. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. All right. Uh, <laughs> you can recommend one book that will change someone's life. What is it? It's this book I'm reading right now called come as you are the surprising new science of sex. Oh, and wow. it, and it, it is blowing my mind, Sean. I'm learning about like, it's just, it's just a lot of new science about women's sexuality versus men's sexuality and what turns us on and what turns us off and how context is a huge factor and how it's a uh, dual control system. There's actually sexual accelerator and sexual breaks. You can have your sexual accelerator on, like you'd be a really sexual person like me perhaps, but if your brakes are on, your car's not going anywhere. You know what I'm saying? Wow. So, that's interesting. Right? Come as you so, are. I was thinking it was going to be like the Kurt Cobain autobiography. Or no, something, no. To- no, totally not. Okay. Um, no, yeah. Literally, orgasm as you are. Wow. I like it's it. A, yeah, it's amazing. All anyway. right, I'm check it out. I'm going to check it out. Cool. All right. Now, Courtney, I'm so excited to catch up with you today. And I mean Thank catch you. up. We have known each other since high school, which I'm not going to say how long ago that was, but it was a <laughs> lifetime ago, right? Uh, yeah, like five years, like a, totally. like a small child's yeah, lifetime. Yeah, totally, five years. <laughs> and I don't know about you, but like I, my dilemma is like, so like I went out drinking last night and I, mm-hmm. my problem is like, I still feel like I'm 19 years old. Oh yeah. So my body is like, no, Sean, you are not 19 anymore. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry. 21 is the appropriate drinking age. But like, right, right. You can't, <laughs> you can't do this anymore, Sean. And so it's like, okay, I'm finally catching up with the notion that like, maybe need to calm down a little bit, but, uh, the example with me right now is this acid reflux thing that I'm experiencing. Like the other night after, yes, having a few drinks, I came home and ate a piece and a half of disgusting, greasy pizza and went to sleep right away. And that was like two days ago. And ever since then I've been (laughs) experiencing this like upset in my stomach where I can barely even have coffee, which is a huge problem. <laughs> oh, wow. That's a bummer. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's so like, I, can, oh. I haven't experienced that yet. Knock on wood. Thank God. Mm-hmm. Because I, when I st- when those things start to kick in, then it's like probably all downhill from there, I'm assuming. Right. So. Yeah. Oh, old people problems for totally sure. I'm holding out. So I want you to give us some insight into your background. Talk a mm-hmm. little bit about uh, what you believe the message that you were brought here to share with the world. Let's all right. 
Totally. Let's do it. All right. So quick timeline. Uh, I started out my like life and performance as an actress and I was an actress for a very long time. And then I wrote my own show, uh, in the, when I was in San Diego in my early twenties. And then I moved to New York city and then I was there and I was like, how do I get myself on stage right away? So then I started doing stand up comedy. And then while I was there, I wrote another one woman show and I took those couple of shows on tour and that's how I discovered Minneapolis. And so I ended up moving to Minneapolis to be with somebody and that, uh, not Peter, not really quick, whatever, (laughs) but I ended up being in the twin cities for eight years and really developing myself as an artist. Um, and that's such a random place to develop oneself. You would, you would think, and I think that is such a coastal point of view. Uh, I I mean, being a person who I grew up in California with you and also, uh, lived in New York city for five years before. And it's like, then I go to the twin cities and, you know, I felt like I was giving myself an emotion. Like I was like, well, the reason why I was moving there, cause I knew it had a rich, uh, theater and performance culture. And because I wanted to be a uh, touring artist and I'm like, there's no reason why, for me to pay rent in New York and tour around. Yeah. So I decided to go to the twin cities and I ended up really developing myself, uh, because the twin cities for a few reasons, the twin cities has, uh, more theater seats per capita than any other city in the United States, except for New York. Wow. So m- per capita. So that means, uh, you know, basically like there's just a lot of theater seats uh, compared to the amount of people in proportion to the amount of people. Yeah. Also, people in Minnesota, a lot of people are, you know, blue collar, working class, not performers, love being entertained. So you have audiences there. People want to go out and see stuff. Also, there's so much money for artists in Minnesota. It's ridiculous. They have grants up the yin-yang. It is incredible. There's a lot of stuff happening in Minnesota and the Twin Cities. And I am very proud to have spent eight years there. Uh, And so, but it was there where I really picked up the, I had got the banjo in New York City. I picked up the banjo and started really playing it when I was in Minnesota. Because like six months of winter, you're like, what am I going to do with myself? (laughs) You're like, I'm going to pick this banjo and think of the South. Um, the weather of the South anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what I started doing there. And then it was like a kind of, uh, I, and I was with a storytelling group and I did some acting in shows. And I did a little bit of stand up comedy and I just started doing like everything and sort of putting it together. And so now what that has all sort of manifested in is, um, and I'll still do all of that stuff. But what my main thing is, and what I perform the most with is by singing dirty bluegrass comedy music tunes that I have written that are pretty sexually explicit and they're supposed to be hilarious and hopefully they're supposed to uh, open people's minds. So my point with it is I want to make people laugh. I want to get, I want to kind of get people. I feel like sometimes our country and, um, you know, it's very evident in like the political season. Our country is a big stick up its ass out of, uh, about a lot of things totally. and sexuality and people's genders and all that other crap is all part of that. It's just like, can you just let people be who they want to be? I, I get it. You don't want me to go to the hospital. You don't want me to be in the <laughs> ER with your taxpayer dollars. I get that. But so then can we like maybe have some education around that, you know, so people aren't sticking stupid things in their holes and going to the ER. I mean, this is just one, this is just one fraction of all the many things I think that people get up in arms about when it comes to our, ourselves and our bodies. And so my whole thing is because I love making people laugh too, but I love, it's always been, I've always been sort of a shock person, I guess. Like I just like kind of pushing people's buttons and just being like, 
And I really think it comes down to my relationship with my mother, but it's like, (laughs) I really think it does, but it's like, I, cause I'm constantly like just trying to with her. I'm just like, well, why, why do you think this way? Why is it this way? Like, why can't, you know, why don't we just open our minds a little bit? And why does this bother you? Why are you judging this person? You know, blah, blah, blah. Do you find that making people laugh is challenging or do you think it's something that just comes naturally for you? Um, I think I am one of the lucky ones that it comes naturally for me. Uh, I mean, I, I like to have fun as much as I can. And I say this like, honestly, with knowing and being self-aware that I am not a hundred percent of the time, funny, fun, laugh, you know, whatever. Totally. Uh, so I'm not trying to make myself look all awesome to everybody though. I'm pretty awesome. But Um, I feel like I like to have a good time and it is much, it is easier for me to make people laugh. And especially just, you know, after spending years and years on the stage and knowing what it, what does make people laugh, like it can literally be, it can literally be your eyes moving from one side of the socket to the other and people like break down in tears. It's hilarious. Wow. (laughs) <laughs> um, who would you say are some of the funniest people out there today? Oh Besides God! Yourself, of course. <laughs> yeah, uh, Maria Bamford. Maria Bamford is a is a comic. She's actually from Duluth, Minnesota, but she's been out in Los Angeles for a long time, and she's um, she's just amazing. She's amazing on so many levels because she's funny. She's uh, talks about mental illness, and she's down with her mental il- illness. So I highly love her. I, I will move on and not just talk about how awesome Maria Bamford is. Um, who else? Oh my God. I know so many people that I want to make sure I'm picking the right people. Uh, I really love, I like Tom Segura. I've listened to a little bit of his, his, his stuff. I hope I'm saying his name right. Um, my, okay. I'm just going to go to one of my friends who is one of my stand up records label mates. So he is like a, he does have a CD and you can find him on Spotify or whatnot. Chris Maddock, he has a, he has a CD out called Point of Entry. And, uh, uh, and I'm a little biased too, cause he played bass for my band in Minnesota, but he's just a, such a genuinely funny, uh, like empathetic, but also like sort of like hard ass. Like he's just very straightforward and not a lot of filter, but he's not a mean spirited person. And his, uh, one of um, so one of his opening, his opening jokes for CD is, uh, my wife and I have three DUIs between us. Uh, she has zero. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you know, just, I, I, that's not a great example of his joke, but, uh, his jokes, but it's, it's just an example, I guess, of how, of how funny I think he can be. Um, so, yeah. uh, I'm just like, this is such an overwhelming question for me. And I'm like, no, oh, th- no the gals, the gals from Broad City. Oh my God. Alana oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and Abby Jacobson. I love, I love those women. Um, yeah, absolutely. And I don't watch Saturday Night Live, although I wish I watched it more. Um, I guess I could start doing that tonight. Anyway. You know what's funny? Saturday Night Live, I feel like it has its like peaks and valleys. And I've been seeing some stuff that people post it on social media, and it's actually like funny again, I feel like. Well, of course it has peaks and valleys. First yeah. off, we always forget Comedy is one of the most difficult art forms. Totally. Ske- sketch comedy is really difficult. Writing a sketch comedy in a week that for an hour and a half show, well, you know, like an hour including uh, commercials, yeah. uh, where people are going to find it funny all the time is 
you know, virtually impossible. If that ever happens, then I will say that God does exist because, <laughs> you know, and it's, and it's like, I've been one of these people too, to be like, ah, oh, sign your life sucks, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yeah, you know what? It's going to just like everything is going to suck. Yeah. So, and then, but you're right. Yeah. I mean, it's like, they, they just, and it's different people, different energy and, uh, and yeah, they've got a great cast right now. I'm very excited for, I'm really excited for the new Ghostbusters reboot. Let me tell you that much. Oh yeah. That looks Which, fun actually. Yeah. yeah Kate McKinnon that, right? and Melissa McCarthy, yeah. Leslie Jones, who can I just say is one of the reasons why I decided to make the move back to California to Los Angeles to like really kind of give it a go here because Leslie Jones is 47 years old and they wow. cast her on Saturday Night Live like two years ago. That's amazing. It's That's so super cool. amazing. I love that. I love that. I love it too. And granted, she's been a comic and she's been doing this forever. But then it's like, well, by the time I'm 47, me too. But then, really? you know, I don't That's know. Not anyway, a long time, so it's a long time away. It's a long time away. It's like, time. you know, 25 years away. <laughs> Who would you say has inspired you the most in your life? Oh my gosh. Tori Amos. Wow, that's a cool answer. You know what's funny you. is you guys all discovered her in high school. I didn't discover her until like late college. Like, oh I, really? Yeah. You know, I have a really cool story about that. Actually, I have a friend that I would I was working with at the time, and she's like, I have tickets to go see Tori Amos, and I was like, uh huh, okay. I was like, I I've heard about her, like whatever, and like I played piano all my life. Like I should appreciate her by now, right? And so we get there. It was a um, venue in San Diego, second mm. row. Her <gasps> and the piano. That was my introduction to Tori Amos. And was like, it fourth and B? No, it was a bigger no. venue than that. Oh, okay. Yeah, but, oh my like, god, that's amazing. Oh my, it was it was profound. It was a profound experience for me, and I since yeah. then I've been a huge fan. But why has she inspired you specifically? <sighs> Man, well, uh, okay. Starting at the beginning, my father became a born again Christian when I was uh, thirteen years old, and when I was fifteen is when I really discovered Torius. The first, I mean, I heard her do her uh, cover of "Smells Like Teen Spirit," and I was so mad about that. I was like. Who does this lady think she is? That was back yeah. when I was a sexist and I didn't know it. And um, <laughs> and anyway, so it was like, I, and then I discovered all the religious tones in her music, and that really helped me through what was, uh, you know, like my father and my relationship completely changed. And she has a similar relationship with her father. Her father's a, a minister, and yeah. so she also is like, you know, has a, a, a much broader view when it comes to the universe and. Uh, and her dad, you know, obviously doesn't, her, she grew up, uh, in that environment. And so that was that, uh, a lot of sexuality in her music that I really connected to. Uh, there was something about, I mean, I was born a redhead and it faded, but then I started dyeing my hair red again and Tori's commanding stage presence. Yeah. And when she talks in interviews and I just feel like, and she's done a lot of psychedelics and she's just, she's just a very open-minded person and she's uh, connected. I feel to, uh, to different levels of consciousness, um, that a lot of people aren't. And, uh, and also I think she's kind of funny too. I mean, she doesn't have a lot of humor. She does have a lot of humor in her songs. What am I talking she's about? She's Miss- really funny on stage. Yeah. Though, like, between songs. She's hilarious. She's totally hilarious. And, and like, her, I mean, like, she's brilliant. Her, her songs like Mr. Zebra and programmable soda and like, Oh my God, she's, well, she's a prodigy. I mean, she was a child prodigy. And like, yeah, she literally is brilliant. I adore Tori Amos and it is my absolute dream to get to perform with her in some capacity. Wow, uh, like, so David Bowie just passed and like, that's hard. I love David Bowie, but like, 
it's like when Tori Amos passes, it's I don't know what I'm going to do. I, can't I don't even want to stop it. thinking about that. There's so many people like in our generation that like mm-hmm. we're obviously going to hit those marks. God, yeah, God, we're still here. But um, yeah, it's like it's so weird to think about that. I think probably for me, the first one was like Michael Jackson because right. I grew up with him. And when he died, there was something like, oh, my God, this is real. And like mm-hmm. we're all this is going to happen to everybody. Like, I don't know. Yeah. It was just, he was kind of the big one for me. And then Whitney Houston and like people of our time. Yeah. Like five years ago. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I, for some reason too, I thought you were going to say our high school theater teacher. Like it was your inspiring oh. person. You, are you still connected to her? I am. Absolutely. Susan are you really? Sandgren. I am nice. still connected to her. I just actually had, uh, I had dinner with her a couple months ago. Her Shut and up. our class. Oh my God. She's doing great, Sean. She's like in a boot camp. She's, she had cancer. She kicked its ass. She's like, she's like 70 or 70 something. Oh my God. Kicking ass in this like boot camp she goes to every day or something like that. Yeah. She's, she's amazing and insane and is the same as Semigrin. Like (laughs) she's still just like, you know, hardcore. And, she was uh, pretty hardcore. Like uh, that was my first recollection. Like that came that comes to mind with her hardcore for sure. I have to say, like that is such a that is actually such a great um, point because she really. I think Susan Semigrain for just like my overall professionalism when it comes to uh, right. to dealing in performance and whatnot. Uh, there's so much stuff that I feel like she taught us. Like the whole dime. Your actors are a dime a dozen thing. And like you don't. I don't need you. You need me. Like there's just <laughs> something about the abuse that she gave to us that I will like will always carry with me and and always be like yeah. I mean like there are plenty of other people who could do what I do and do it way better and you know, whatever. But it's just sort of, I don't know. She's, she was great. Taught me to be grateful for what I have and also taught me to show up on to rehearsal on time. Totally. Shout out to Miss Summergren if you're listening. Yeah. I want to talk for a second about vulnerability because yeah. I believe that achieving any real level of success requires us to show up and be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I think it can be incredibly difficult to put yourself out there in such a way. Uh-huh. So talk to me a little bit about how you've been able to do this effectively and, and overcome this challenge. Oh, man. I feel like I came into the world an ultra-vulnerable person. I guess we all do, right? And um, and I feel like it's it, – it, it, it's, my mother always gives me shit about it, actually. She's like, you are too open. You, you let people in too easily. And it's kind of true because I've had to like – you know, I've had a lot of I have a lot of emotional scars over the past like ten or fifteen years of just of just people that I've let in and then just been like, oh my god, they've completely fucked with me or whatever. Courtney, but, we need to share a bottle of wine. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Let me tell you, we've got stories that. I can share yeah. too. I'll bet we could share two bottles of wine. You mentioned being like highly sensitive before. And it's actually funny yeah. you mentioned that because I came across recently. So there's this thing. I'm obsessed with Alanis Morissette, kind of like in a Tori Amos type way. Oh. Because I just think that she's like brilliant and spiritual. And she has a new podcast out that if you haven't listened to, you need to. Really? Um, yes, yeah. I'm into it. It's called Conversations with Alanis Morissette. And she basically talks to like all these like highly intelligent people. They're out there doing kind of similar to this on a different mm. level. Um, and she talks a lot about this there's this thing called an hsp a highly sensitive person that's like a yes. thing and it's like 20 percent of the population is this yes and, i've heard of these people well we probably are these people i do believe that i am one of these people yes you, you look at relationships differently you approach relationships differently albeit a friendship romantic what have you yeah uh and you differently like room. how like 
like well, the your, openness I was talking yeah, about. Yeah, to your point, like some of us are just more like I will meet you and fall in love with you very quickly and give you whatever mm. it is that you need. Yeah, yeah. And like, uh, like uh, unquestionably, and and I don't. It's you know what I'm saying. Like it's just that's yeah. just my soul. That's just who I am. Mm-hmm. And most people are not that, right? Like they're more cautious or whatever especially as it pertains to like your heart and Mm -hmm. getting hurt and all those things but anyway that's a that's a conversation oh i feel like i'm like sociopath narcissist bait like i attract i attract i just seem to have attracted so many so many narcissists and like quasi sociopaths into my life in the past like 15 years and i'm like what is it about me (laughs) i just well, it is something about you. Though. Yeah. I mean, there's the common denominator is you, right? Like that's right. that's my perspective, and so like I do ton of work in this area because I want to understand better why I am that way too. Yeah. Uh, and I think you don't attract anything in your life that you haven't somehow attracted, right? Uh-huh. Like you are the right. one doing the attracting, um, and then you also don't attract anything into your life that is not meant to teach you. Right. So like that's the way that I try to look at things, but. Mm. Anyway, not to digress, but I just I think that's interesting, and I would encourage you to check that out because um, allegedly there's this woman that wrote a book, and I'll, I'll find it and I'll put it in the show notes. But she wrote this entire book about highly sensitive people and how they can best navigate through life based on you know, this circumstance they've been dealt. It's really fascinating stuff. I might be ordering that on Amazon after we finish our conversation. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. I, it's it's like on my list of things to read this year. Yeah, cool. So I I have this theory that. It's difficult to create when you're happy. And I know that the times in my life that I've been able to really channel any sort of creativity were times that I was depressed or ended a relationship or there's always been a catalyst for me to kind of channel that pain into something greater. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Because I'm assuming you're the same way. I don't know that that is, is. You don't think Uh, it is? I don't know that that is necessarily a truth. I feel like a lot of people agree with that. A lot of people feel that way. Um, but I have been on antidepressants for the past three years. I'm actually tapering myself off right now because I'm like, I don't want to be on these forever. And I feel like I've rebuilt neural pathways. But getting to that, I have had quite possibly one of the most creative three past three years I've ever had. I feel like depression and anxiety stymied me. Now, not to say that, I mean, that's different than just being sad, right? Sure. So, of course, when you're sad or heartbroken, you can... Uh, you can, you know, you write all these beautiful poems and songs and you're like, oh, this chord progression like just hits my heartstrings right now, blah, blah, blah. But, and also, uh, you know, as a comedian as well, you know, you deal with so many comedians who are sad clowns who are like, you know, they're sad people, they're depressed, they have anxiety, they have sort of, you know, a lot of, there's a lot of mental illness in the comedy community, I think. Um, And, but... I do believe that you are still, you can still be creative and even more so almost when you're, well, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know about more so, but when you're happy, it's like, it's like when I'm, when I'm happy, it's like, I want to touch my banjo more. I want to sing more. I want to, I want to make people laugh more. And maybe that's because that's the art that I choose that it's like, I have a happiness, you know, it's when I'm sad, I don't necessarily want I'm not I mean I guess people can laugh at my pain but I kind of want to like laugh with people and like make people laugh and us all like you know so we're all laughing together I guess um but I'm not sure if I answered your question in there I just feel like it's different 
I feel like it's different for different people. And maybe, maybe I just don't remember, uh, being more creative than the last past three years. (laughs) And that's why I'm saying it's like, it's, you know, I, as a happy person, I feel like at my base, I'm a happy person, even when I have like, you know, sadness here and there, but, um, I don't know. I feel like I am creating a lot. I create a lot, but I, I also believe creativity begets creativity. It's yeah. like exercise, totally. you know, it's, and it's like anything that you start doing, brushing your teeth, any sort of habit, um, that you just sort of just get, once you go and you get going and you just keep going and going, it's like, you need to do it every day. You got to sit down and like, I don't know, even if I don't write a song or I don't, you know, and it's not to say that I'm doing this all the time. People, okay. Don't think, you know, whatever. Uh, you're all doing fine, but, um, but you know, maybe I, maybe I just want to like draw a little picture or something like that. You know, um, I feel like just in the way that I've lived my life, I no longer am strapped for creativity. That's how I currently feel. I might feel differently next month, but who knows? No, I, I, I don't believe that you necessarily will. I, I like your answer a lot. I think for me personally, that's been my experience. I write a lot. Yeah. I, I am most yeah. productive and my best work comes from times when I am not happy. But yeah. to your point, I'm also a very happy person out in life. Yeah. Uh, and so it's it's this weird contrast because like I come home and like I have to find that dark place in order to be creative or whatever. But uh-huh. then like I go out into the world and like you probably never know that that part of me exists. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's talk about fear. What, what are some of your personal methods to overcome your fears and kind of push through them? Oh my God, smoke weed. <laughs> <laughs> like seriously, uh, I have to say, well, smoke weed and also my, uh, my antidepressant I was talking about also anti-anxiety med. Uh, yeah, I really like marijuana and that it has, uh, lowered my anxiety and made me not care as much. Oh, that's uh, good. I, that's good. Yeah. I think that, and not care as much, like, uh, you know, I'd say that to my mom and she's like, I think she thinks that, you know, it's, it's that unmotivated stoner, uh, stereotype, totally. but it's like, no, 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 It's not that I'm unmotivated. It's more that I'm just not worried about all the bullshit that everybody yeah. else worries about. And I think that's a lot of what fear is. I think, uh, I mean, fear is, it's definitely something that's there. I think it's useful. I think basically sometimes when I feel it, I just got to sit with it and I ask myself, okay, why are you feeling this? Yeah. Uh, are, are you feeling this? You know, say I have a performance coming up. You think you're not going to be good enough? Okay. Well, somebody in the crowd is not going to think you're going to be good. Who cares? Uh, someone in the crowd is going to think you're amazing. And that's, uh, that's what I do it. I do it for one person every night. I'm like, I just want one new fan every night, even if that person is just like, I like that lady stuff. They don't even like me on Facebook, you know? So it's like sort of just like taking inventory and being like, why am I scared right now? Uh, and sitting in it and then, and then taking inventory and, uh, and realizing when your rationalizations are chalked up to a resistance that you have. Um, have you ever read the war of art? I've read The War of Art, yes. I love The War of Art. Uh, I think there's some things about it that are a little too hard-ass for me that I'm like, really? I can't masturbate? Like, (laughs) come on, dude. No. Uh, Although I do use masturbation as a procrastination tactic. Sometimes it's okay. Um, (laughs) But he's got the whole thing about resistance. And uh, and I think that is a lot of – that's a lot of fear because, you know, and I've, I've felt this several times where it's like, I feel like I don't have a right to speak my voice in the world. And, uh, and you know, just because of like what I think or 
what my gender is, what my skin color is, what I believe, like all this stuff. Like, uh, I know it's like, what? You're white, Courtney, your skin color. I'm like, yeah, no, I, don't know, I get some- that. Actually, I had that thought for like a nanosecond. And then I was like, yeah. no, I totally get it. Because I think and I don't want to digress too much, like on a racial tangent. Totally, like, totally. You almost feel it's inappropriate to say certain things, right? Exactly. I agree because it's like, you know, I understand. Yeah, yeah. I understand You're like, who am I, this middle class necessary- white kid that grew up in Orange County, like to say right. anything about life? Right. Yeah. But at the same time, it's, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't want to get too much off into it too, but I do think it is important, especially as long as you are in support of people who need raising up. You know what I'm saying? Totally. Um, so, helping our our fellow humans who do not have the privilege that we have as a result of our skin color. Absolutely. Any hooters. Absolutely. Yeah, any you know what's hooters. interesting? I find it really interesting that you talk about the, the not caring um, uh-huh. in there because I've always been told my whole life that it comes with age and the older you get, the less you care or the less fucks right. you give or whatever. And it's true. I've got to tell you, like, I don't find that to be true. And so that's maybe why oh, no. I still feel like I'm 19 because I'm just like – I still care. Like, I can't not care. Yeah. And I think that, again, maybe it just becomes comes with being, like, an overly sensitive person, and that's just right. my face. But, like, I, yeah, I still care. And so I'm fascinated by people, you know, that say that they don't or they care less because yeah. you should care less. You should not care what people think of you. At right. At the end of the day, like, it should not matter to you. Because as long at the as end of the not day, people. it's their shit that they're totally. putting on you. And it's like, you know what, I can, all you can do is just like, take a look at yourself and be like, am I being the best person I could be? Sean, here's another book. Do you know the four agreements? Uh, yeah. Okay. Duh. Of course you do. I haven't, I haven't read the book in a long, long time, but I really love those four agreements. Always do your best. Never make assumptions. Uh, never take anything personally. What's the fourth one? Oh, be true to your word. word. Be impeccable with your word. Um, I can't, you know, that's uh, anyway, they're so simple, but they can be challenging, right? They're so so simple. They can totally be challenging. I feel like they cover every aspect of life. I grew up and raised Christian to believe Mm -hmm. that like heaven and hell were physical places that you go when you die. Yeah. And this book was the first time that it was ever presented to me that heaven and hell are actually like these abstract concepts that Uh you can endure while you are alive on earth. Yeah. And you put your, you choose every day, you wake up and you make a choice. Am I going to live in heaven today or am I going to live in hell? And it's Mm. by the actions I take, the choices I make, the way I interact with people, the way I interact with myself, my thoughts. And that book truly opened up like this new world to me of like, wow, like I can look at life in a different way. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Super, super powerful stuff. That's yeah. So what would you tell someone who has aspirations to be a performer? Um, I want to know what they should do to get started on their journey. Oh my God. Oh, okay. What you want to do to get started on your journey. First off, look at, look at performers you admire and what do you admire about them? And maybe what is the very first step you can take? Is it signing up for a guitar lesson, a voice lesson? Is it picking up a journal and a pen? Uh, is it, you know, just like what is the smallest step you can take to get started? And then, and it's like, you know what I find is really helpful is the backwards thing. So you're like, I want to be a famous actress. That means I have to do this, which means I have to do this, which means I have to do this, which means I, so you go back or back and back and back and back and back until you're like, okay, so I have to take an acting class. That's the first thing I no. So first I have to work 40 hours in a week to afford an $800 acting class. <laughs> you know. Anyway, um, I don't want it to be convoluted, but to me, honestly, it's just like, listen to your instinct. 
what is your gut telling you? You're like, I want to be a performer. What is the first thing I need to do? Is it watch a movie on Netflix and study somebody and make some notes about that person's, you know, performance that that's just like the simplest little thing. And just, I know it's baby steps. It's that cliche thing. And it's sometimes it's hard to, to remember because life is so overwhelming and these things we want to do. Being a performer is a very overwhelming thing. You know, it's like, it's a hard thing to do. It's easy for me to just go sit in a cubicle, uh, you know, at a job that I hate. Absolutely. So anyway, so what, what about <laughs> there's someone out there that has a desire to pursue this dream, but they might not have the confidence in themselves. Where can, yeah. where do they find it? You know, I will look on, sometimes I used to look on iTunes or in my CD collection and just remind myself that every single one of these people had a dream and they made it come true. And it's like, sometimes you just gotta, you just gotta be like, why not me? It's just like, yeah. And, and also, but I do highly, highly, I mean, I'm such a, I'm such a like pro, um, like check in your mental illness stuff. Um, and if it's something that like, you're like, Oh, I simply can't, I simply can't get on stage. I simply can't do it. It's like, yeah, you can. It's really not that, it's not that scary of a thing. And yes, granted, I am one of the least, I'm one of those people who is like, can talk to millions of people at one time. I've never tried it, but I could do it. I'm sure. But, um, and that's like the number one fear for a lot of people, you know, speaking in front of people. But then it's like, what is that? What is that anxiety? And, um, and not to yeah, judgment and not to say, and not to say that that's linked with mental illness. I feel like I've sort of like convoluted this answer, but also I I just want to encourage people. Like if you're feeling like you need help by all means, go get help. Do not be ashamed of taking medications. Don't be ashamed of therapy. Don't be ashamed of talking to somebody. Um, and by all, and fucking go to a therapist, talk to your therapist. Be like, (laughs) I want to perform. I want to, I want to be an artist. And the therapist will just sit there and be like, well, yeah, I mean, go do it. No, I mean, (laughs) obviously it's not that easy, but like, yeah, but I just talk to somebody, tell somebody, I don't know. I love it. What have you <laughs> learned? What have you learned on this journey that's been most viable? Maybe like a piece of wisdom that you could share with someone that's on a similar trajectory, similar journey. Yeah. It, what really matters are your relationships and the people in your, in your life. And are they supporting you? Are they giving you love? Um, and as you're doing your journey and, and making your missteps, you know, are you surrounded by, support. And it doesn't have to be a lot of people. Maybe you have two close friends, maybe one best friend, and maybe it's just you. I would say it's being just you is better than having abusive people in your life. Totally. So what's interesting about that too, is I think if there is someone listening that is younger, like let's say like mm-hmm. high school, early college, my favorite thing about my life so far is that those people change. And those people come into your life and yeah. the people that are in your life right now that you think are going to be there forever. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe you're not happy with that relationship or maybe, you know, mm-hmm. you, you long for deeper connection or whatever. Like that is pos- not only is it possible, but it comes. Yeah. And I think that like that's the best thing that I've learned personally in mm-hmm. that respect is that like the people that are in your life today, like some of them are great, but some of them probably suck. Yeah. And the ones that suck will always fall away. And, yeah. And new You'll people get, will come in that will be amazing. Yeah. As long as you I think as long as you are keeping that attitude and keeping you know what? No, no. I'm changing my eyes on the prize. 
totally. keep your keep your eyes on the prize, and that's how toxic people are going to fall out of your life, and supportive people are going to come into your life. Correct. Yeah, you manifest that's, it absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what are some tools and tricks that you use to personally stay motivated or inspired? <sighs> Let's see. Aside um, from your antidepressants. Aside from antidepressants and weed, um, they are well aging is definitely something. I think also um, I go out and I see a lot of comedy and uh, I get inspired by the great people and I also get inspired by the horrible people because I'm like, I can do it way better than them and they're getting paid by doing this. I can do this. Right. Yeah. So uh, I think that I really think immersing yourself in whatever it is you want to make your life out of, uh, you're going to learn the goods and the bads and eventually you're going to learn that there are going to be tons of people that are better than you, but there's also tons of people that are worse than you and whatever your place is, your place in the world and you're going to fucking die. It could be tomorrow. So just buck up and do it. Sunshine. Love it. Love it. <laughs> uh, so now we grew up kind of, I don't want to say sheltered, but sheltered in North yeah. County, California, oh, yeah. Southern California. I live in LA now and it, they're mm. not that far apart, but they're worlds apart in terms oh, of my like gosh. cultural diversity and just, you just, I don't know if, if any kid is listening right now, that's in like a small city and you just long for like something else, get out. Mm-hmm. That is the best advice I can give you. Um, and honestly, like I didn't even go that far. I mean, like I said, I'm an hour North of where I used mm-hmm. to be, but it's a world of difference. Can yeah. You talk a little bit about that. Cause you lived in New York and New York is like LA intensified, right? So, yeah, ab- absolutely. What was that like for you? That transition of like, Oh, I'm this like privileged little white kid from Orange County. That's now <laughs> in the big city and nobody really cares about me anymore. Like, and there's cool people. Well, luckily I had seven years in San Diego between that. Now, San Diego is just sort of more like an urban Orange County. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was definitely my first experience, like being downtown in San Diego and being like, wow, there are a lot of different looking people down here. That is amazing. Yeah. I think also I have been lucky in that um, because, I, like I mentioned earlier, I felt like our family was kind of outsiders in our neighborhood uh, as a result, possibly of my father's like weird sense of humor, turning people off, <laughs> maybe, maybe my mother's British, maybe they can't handle foreigners. Who knows? <laughs> um, but, but I feel like, um, I've felt like an outsider for many reasons, uh, in my life as well. So it's kind of like going to New York where you're surrounded by freaks. It was, it was, and it was always my dream. It was always my dream to live in New York and I'm so happy I did it. And I'm so happy I'm not there anymore. I mean, I will go back and I I will spend a month there again, but, um, living there, not unless I'm super, super rich. But as far as like, as far as culture shock, it was, um, I feel like it was almost more culture shock moving from New York to Minnesota. Um, and not even just in like, uh, you know, there's a lot more white people in Minnesota, but also just sort of like, the, they, they have a, you know, quote unquote, Minnesota nice, which is maybe passive aggressive. Although now that I'm in California again, and I'm kind of realizing like, I love California for so many things, but Southern Californians, we are an entitled shithead bunch. But People what in I LA saying? are the most entitled too. Like you think? Oh my God. Okay. More I'm, than Orange County. Like, yeah. I, and I've gone back and forth. Like uh, Los Angeles mm. is the worst, the absolute worst. In fact, I will, I'm that person, like I'll call somebody out like mm-hmm. in front of the server and be like, you know what? You shouldn't be treating this person this way. Like they're right. literally doing the best they can. So they can't say that to you, but I can. Wow. 
<laughs> wow, yeah. that's awesome. Good for you. I'm not a fan of that. Like, because it's like, mm. most people that are here too. The the thing about LA that always trips me out is like most people that came here came here from somewhere. Right. So like we all huh. ended up here together. Calm down. Mm-hmm. Like right. you're from, you know what I mean? Like you're from yeah. Podunk, Minnesota, or wherever you're from. Like you're you're not entitled. You're not above anyone. It doesn't matter. Mm. Like, yeah, big pet peeve of mine. So my show is called Think Outside the Lines, and my mission is to challenge the status quo. And I'm really passionate about challenging people to not live a life of complacency. Hmm. Uh, and I think that you're definitely someone that exemplifies that. So tell me kind of what your thoughts on that are. Um, but also specifically like this generation, I feel like it's filled with people that don't want to settle. Mm-hmm. And we're really like passionate and vocal about that. Why do you think that is? Okay. Well, with our generation, I mean, our parents sort of grew up in this culture I have the past century. I think about this all the time and just how things have changed just like decade to decade uh, and generation to generation. Our parents grew up, um, you know, baby boomers and, uh, you know, office jobs and pensions and careers that would last a lifetime. And uh, I don't know why I think that why maybe our generation doesn't want to settle is because we want something different than that. And I, isn't there some sort of like, uh, like a, a alternating pattern between generations with things like that anyway? There is think, allegedly, mm-hmm. but like our generation kind of like is somewhere like in the muddy middle of that because you have the generation behind us. That's like even worse than we are. Right. <laughs> right. And we're, like, you know and worse, yeah. Yeah. Like worse. How? I mean, I know so many people have complaints about millennials and whatnot and you know, I don't know. There's, it's like, well, don't forget, we're the ones that created them. So, and when who I do say we have worse, to blame? <laughs> though, I'm, I'm not saying that they're bad people. I'm saying yeah. that, like this, what I'm talking about, they don't want to mm-hmm. be complacent, like even more than we don't. Oh, you know what I'm oh, saying? They don't want to live that life of like because the pensions don't exist anymore, and because mm-hmm. you know you don't. Most people entrepreneurialism is huge. Totally, totally. Yeah. Well, I think that's it. Is that it's just like we can't rely on. We can't rely on the banks or the government or, you know, outside sources to sort of take care of us anymore. It's like it's sort of like this entrepreneurial, you know, the entrepreneurial. E-word, entrepreneurialism and uh, and also like divorce rates and people. I mean, I'm single. I've never been married. Uh, people yeah, remaining. Let's talk about love. Why do you think it's so challenging for our generation? <laughs> well, I, you know, I don't know that I, um, well, I think that it goes back to me being a highly sensitive person and opening myself up and then being bait for, uh, people who are nefarious, have yeah, nefarious okay. purposes. But um, I don't want to look at it because I, I love you and I love the answer, but I feel like that's a slight, slight victim mentality. I don't think ooh, it's that. Okay. Um, I, I also think, think it that. might be because, of. well, I'll tell you something like living with, I've, Moving back to California, I yeah. lived with my parents for a couple months, and there were a lot of things that came up with my father, where I was totally. just, not in between him and I, but with the way that I noticed, you know, living with him again, and and being like, wow, oh, that's oh, that's why I choose that, and that's why I choose that, totally. and why am I looking for or approval here, and I'm looking, you know, for this there, and looking for that to be fulfilled there, and it's like. It was, it was super hard and, and not to say I'm like through it or anything. I definitely need to go back to therapy for it. But, um, but also like Sean, I am not short of love in my life at all. Yeah. I may be short of sex and somebody to cook me breakfast, breakfast, but, uh, breakfast, that's a long shot sex. I can find on Tinder. You know, it's like, yeah. I'm so 
I'm fascinated oh. by what you just said because I, I am totally in agreement to that. And I have learned as someone that has been in relationships and been not in relationships mm-hmm. um, at various <laughs> time, at various points throughout my life, I am someone that like I am very much content with the love that I have in my life, whether it's mm-hmm. from friends, family, people in my life that I don't know. There's something about like I think that we different people complete us in in the ways that we need. And I think that we we have this mindset that it has to be one person. Mm. But guess what? It probably isn't. That is uh, that is not just a mindset. That is a cultural pill we've been swallowing totally. for many, 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 many years. Because you know what? You know what boosts economies? Marriages, yeah. families. I mean, like, come on. The single person is not is not like. I mean, they are they are now. Oh, wait, people are going to remain single. Hey, ladies, here's a diamond ring for your right hand. Yeah. It's like, go fuck yourself. Totally. You know, I'm not going to go buy your shit. This is why I'm remaining single, because I want my life to be simple. Um, well, and you want your <laughs> life to you. Yeah, touche. But you also want your life to be fulfilled in ways that I don't know that a relationship fulfills us. Right. And I think some of us are learning that. And like I have friends that have been married a long time and they're blissfully happy and Amazing. Go for that. Mm -hmm. But for me, I just know that, like, I don't necessarily find that in relationships. Well, and also, Sean, to be fair, like, I I know I'm going to tell you, I know a few people in blissful relationships. I know most people in shitty relationships or getting divorced. I was trying to be nice. (laughs) Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I'm not going to be nice about it because I'm tired of it. I'm tired of the I'm tired of the cultural favoring of people that are in couples. To me, it's like, you know, when you're like you just said, when you're putting all your eggs into when you're putting all your psychological, uh, emotional, mental eggs into one basket, it's like, and I think that people with successful marriages realize that, look, my husband or my wife fulfills this for me. And these are the things that we have deemed it societally acceptable for them to fill, i.e. like, you know, sexual, uh, stuff and, and some money support and whatnot. Um, and then there's, you know, sometimes maybe I can't talk to my spouse about a certain thing. But then also you have a lot of people who are like, I married my best friend. But yeah. then, you know, I haven't had the same best friend for my whole life. So <laughs> totally. I, Me too. I, don't I was with my best friend for five years and guess what? Mm-hmm. We're not best friends anymore. Like yeah. it just, that, that did not work out for us. And not to say that you shouldn't start and not to say that you shouldn't fall in love. For Absolutely. me personally, I I'm at a point in my life right now where I'm like, I'm I, the love, the love is not worth the pain and the heartbreak and the loneliness. And I am so much happier being by myself and not having to call people and tell them where I'm at and not, ha- you know, I mean, granted, you know, I'll, I'll drop a pin and, and send it to my friends when I'm going on a Tinder date. But, um, <laughs> you know, but it's like, uh, I, I personally just really like the simplicity and the freedom of not being in a relationship. And it's, it's my default. I have, I've been in lots of relationships um, but again, you know, it might go back to choosing the wrong man, whoever, whatever, whatever. I don't know. I'm someone that like, I'm right there with you. I, I totally mm-hmm. believe that like love is a thing and it's mm-hmm. a great thing when you're in it sometimes and it's mm-hmm. not sometimes. And I'm totally okay with being in it or not being in it, but mm-hmm. I have no attachment to the idea that I need to spend the rest of my life with one particular individual to feel a sense of completion. Right. And, and again, it's like, you know, we, we call that love, but yeah. it's like love Oh, love is all around us. Oh, like, you know, I have like, so much love in my life. So much. Yeah. 
Me too. And it's like, and, and so, and so maybe that's it is that I don't feel like I need a partner necessarily because, because I do have a lot of love in my life. As long as those people don't get partners and then ignore me, that's all I care about. <laughs> Which <laughs> that's happens. what I think about sometimes. I'm like, Courtney, you can't just like hang out with all these couples. Like they all have each other. You can't just assume that they're going to have your back. <laughs> well, I always wonder too, like but, are all of us single people just going to be in like a home together when we're 80? Like how does that go down? Uh, that's yeah, like my... it's called Golden Girls, Sean. Let's oh do it. Oh my God, I forgot. Yes. Holy oh, fuck. I mean, I am all about Golden Girls. I Not just the TV show, but also just like the idea of me living with like a few of my close friends. Love and there, we're just all roommates in Florida or wherever, someplace tropical. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, Courtney, you have unlimited money and resources. How will you change the world? How will I change the world? Yeah, no pressure. <laughs> Holy shit. Well, first off, um, first off, I'm going to melt all the fucking guns. I'm so tired of you bitches and your goddamn guns. They're all going away. All of them. Bombs going away. All these, uh, all these uh, world leaders who are encouraging rape and famine in their country, you're all going into a big house. Sure, we're going to put you in Brazil. We'll put you in a nice area in a big house. You're going to be locked. You'll have a pool. You'll have a lot of great things. But you're under house arrest for the rest of your fucking lives. And you're going to have to go to daily therapy. And you're going to have to play games. You have to play fun games. And we're not competing. And there will be mothers there to give you love that you didn't get when you were children. <sighs> and then everybody else can just like live and let live. You know? Oh, my God. Why did I not start the interview with that question? Amazing. <laughs> amazing. That's, well, that's amazing. Editing, I didn't want to get political, but thank you for taking it there for a second. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. Okay. Um, God, I don't even know how to follow that up. Uh, <laughs> what is your definition of success and have you achieved it? Mm. that that's one of those questions right you struggle with your whole life um I think I think the definition of success is that you're on your deathbed and you're like I like the way I lived my life so I'm gonna say no I haven't achieved it because <laughs> I'm not on my deathbed yet wow good stuff what what do you hope will be your legacy I hope my legacy will. Oh God, I, I'm not, this question is making me cry, Sean. Yes, it's like Oprah, like, you know, Barbara Walters, I guess. I know, right? I just really hope. I hope my legacy is that, like, I'm. I make people happy, and people like look to my art, and they look to my work, and they're just like, I can do that. You know, Courtney did this. Why can't I do that? I want. I have a. <laughs> Um, also I'm going down on my meds people. So just chill out. Okay. <laughs> um, this happens. Sometimes. Also, I'm about to start my period. I'm just kind of a mess. Um, <laughs> I have this, my email signature is, uh, I don't remember who said it. I think it's Marianne Williamson or, or, um, that famous dancer lady. Wait, you, <laughs> when you let your light shine, you encourage others to do the same. You're not, when you let your light shine, you are not outshining anybody else's light, you know? Cause it's like when you put several lights in a room, you just make the room brighter. No light is outshining any other light, right? Yeah. Well, maybe they are if there's like some dimmer lights, but are like they all add, but I see where you're going with that. But they all add to the light in the room, right? And they yes. all shut out the darkness. So I think that I just want everyone to know that like shine your light. Because it's going to it's going to turn other it's going to make other people's turn theirs on as well, 
and and at least and they might be jealous at first they might have a problem with it at first but that's that's their journey and you can't worry about it so i i guess i just want people to to do their thing and to live their dream whatever that is as long as it's live and let live as long as your dream is not to be a serial killer like <laughs> or a rapist like you know come on just have respect for other people I love it. And I just, I can't get over it. Like, Marion Williamson and the dancer woman, like, there couldn't be two more different people. I know. It's fine. Who's the dancer woman I'm thinking of? I have of. no idea what you're talking about. I, I want to say Marianne her Williamson name is, is, but she is not Margaret, a dancer. Margaret somebody. Courtney, tell us where we can connect with you on the web. Oh, my God. CourtneyMcLean.com. C-O-U-R-T-N-E-Y-M-C-C-L-E-A-N.com. And from there, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter, both at Dirty Curls. I'm at uh, I'm in on Facebook. You can find me there. I'm pretty much just accept anyone's friend. Oh no, wait! I can only accept friends of friends. But you can find my band, Courtney McLean and the Dirty Curls, at Facebook.com/slash/TheDirtyCurls. Also, same with YouTube. All that stuff is available through my website. Wow! Look at you. Amazing. I've got a really strong web presence. I'm very, uh, very grateful that I started early. Um, my com- my competitors in the Courtney McLean category are two black men. One, <laughs> one of them. Hey, Courtney is like a total black dude's name. I feel like it's only is been it a really? white. I feel like it's only been a white girl's name in the past like forty years. I really, yeah, I know, right? Huh. I kind of love that though. I'm super into that. Anyway, um, Courtney McLean, the bishop. That's not me. I am Reverend Courtney McLean. I can marry you, but I am not. <laughs> Shut up. Are you really? I am. Yes. I've performed a couple of marriages. Um, I performed once, Sean, a shotgun lesbian wedding. Uh, oh, surprise. God. Only to be a fly on that wall. A surprise shotgun lesbian wedding. Yeah. It was pretty awesome. Uh, it was their baby shower. And then they, they, cause I had married them, uh, like in a, in a, in a ceremony, but it wasn't legal in Minnesota yet. So uh, when it became legal, we did it officially at their baby shower and surprised everybody at their baby shower. We're like, all right, real quick, we're going to do this wedding. And uh, do you, do you? Yeah, anyway, it was awesome. Um, so Bishop Courtney McLean, And then there's also the actor uh, Courtney McLean, uh, also with the real spelling of my name, M-C-L-E-A-N. Uh, and he has been in Shaggy Dog and uh, some other movies with Snoop Dogg and LL Cool J, I believe. <laughs> but yeah, so that guy is the reason why I'm not getting into SAG with my birth God, name. Damn. That's awful. I hate when they, <laughs> there's another Sean Feeney out there too, let me tell you. Oh, is there? It's, yeah. It's Same spelling? Yeah. And, yes, and he has, He. Uh, sorry, it, it's. I'm going to have to digress for a second, but he has mm. my um, exact spelling of my name, which is rare because nobody spells your name S-H-A-W-N like I do. Right. But, um, and he is this like visual artist, uh-huh. and I hope that none of his fans are listening. But I, I just I'm not personally a fan of his stuff. Oh, and yeah, and it's just weird because if you Google me, like that's the first stuff that comes up. And you're like, people, I'm not making that art, people. Yeah, people think it's me, and I'm like, well, it's subjective, it's art, whatever. But yeah, anyway, <laughs> sorry, may, may have to edit that out. Yeah. Um, Courtney, I want to say thank you so much for this amazing and candid conversation. I, I love that you're out there in the world doing your thing and inspiring others to do the same. And I just, I wish you all the success and happiness. Thank you, Sean. Thank you so much for having me on. This was a lot of fun. All right. I want to thank Courtney so much for joining me today. I really enjoyed our conversation and I hope you did too. As always, you can find the links for everything we talked about today in the show notes, which can be found at thinkoutsidethelines.com slash podcast. 
And if you're enjoying the show, please head over to iTunes and subscribe. And if you have a second, please leave a review. Until next time, go out there and do what makes you happy today. And remember, the best way to predict the future is to create it. For more information, please visit thinkoutsidethelines.com.